Welcome to Say That, podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here at the City of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Still dealing with allergies. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Hello. Joining us all the way from Rokers, Tennessee, one of the pastors at Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Also, hello. Lee piggybacks on Jed's sure. Well, we've got a lot to get to this week. We have a uh, an interview with Jason Roy, the lead singer of Building... 429. It was a really fun chat with him about uh, just kind of art and growing as a person and trying to be authentic and put something into the world and what that's like. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy that. But before that, I have a fairly revolutionary concept. Oh, I have something I think is going to change church as we know it. And based on that, I have to declare an emergency. Emergency? Now, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you've heard us muse wax wax rhapsodic think out loud about how to improve the church experience when you say wax rhapsodic is that like where they put it on with like a wooden <laughs> stick and then yeah. they rip it oh, it's man. just like that okay yep. <laughs> everybody take a moment to is, think is, about the joke you're not gonna say yep. is that the way it? glenn wants to improve the church experience well hey you know what i mean That'll, Cut down on wind resistance. That's got to be worth something. That'll that'll wake everybody up on sure. Sunday morning. Works for Olympic swimmers. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> it's not really a seeker friendly type of thing. No. <laughs> Just it, it, it rolls things out. You guys doing communion? No, those are the vats of wax. <laughs> but, and this, these are the kind of ideas we've been reduced to. Yeah, we've been throwing a lot of junk out there, and just nothing's really landed so far. Right. But then we, we had a thought this week on a text message thread, because if you haven't been to the bridge service, and if you're in Chicago, you're welcome on a Tuesday. Yeah. We, we've, we've mentioned, we've had some folks uh, recently come through who were, who were here for the weekend, and it didn't quite work out, but we just, we just see on social media that you guys are in Chicago sometimes, and you know, yeah, let somebody know. We'd love to hang out. Well, we're willing to hang out. We will tolerate hanging yeah, out. Yeah, we, we're fine with it. I mean, if you're buying, yeah. You know, sure. Sure. Absolutely, but if you're on a tu- if you're on a Tuesday, we'd love to have you come to the bridge service. Yep. If you email ahead, mm-hmm. we'd only surprise drop into the bridge service because there's a lot That's, going on. Yeah, one of the things going on is we're trying to wrangle three separate pastors right. into keeping their message to ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. And if you're guessing, trying to guess in the history of the bridge, the number of pastors who think no, I think ten minutes is about right for the amount of stuff zero. I have to say, that would be zero percent. That's despite the fact that every single service we actually take time to issue an actual threat yes, we of do. what we will do <laughs> well, that's if you why go this, over ten minutes. That's why this was top of mind. We we have an on our PowerPoint slide a rotating uh spot for a physical threat of things that will happen to you. Maybe give the people some examples. Absolutely. We have we have the uh, bridge taser watch. Right. Which at 10 minutes goes off and releases some 50,000 volts into your long talking rear end. We have a, a staff member we've hired only for this this a purpose known as the silencer. Yes. Right. And we show nice. a picture of a giant luchador just breathing heavily. Yep. <laughs> uh, we've, we've introduced some new ones recently. We have We Will Unleash Our Team of Child Ninjas yep. after yep. you. And it's a gif of... Uh, from the Joe Parson wreck, a bunch of children dressed as ninjas attacking Jerry. Yeah. Um, and the idea is their attention spans are short and you've angered them. Yes. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing. Trap door, yes. these kind of situations. It trap door that falls into what we call the pit of punishment, mm. where you think about whether that last analogy really needed to be in the sermon or not. Yeah. But we've come up with a new one. We come up with one that not only is going to keep the sermon shorter, we think this is going to have a lot of, um, uh, improvements about mm. the church process and that's wolves oh okay it was recently brought to our attention by someone that uh the way they keep like deer population down in some places is they introduce predators okay and th- in this case it's wolves right and we think that if there were time released wolves just wandering around church people be a lot more well behaved oh absolutely you're you're not talking about like uh, the the metaphorical equivalent of wolves. No, you mean this meeting, this committee meeting has gone on too long, 
snarling mammals. Yeah, yeah. Release the wolves. Yeah, we. uh, Yeah, Uh, Frank tried to bring up that thing for the fourth time in this meeting. After we tried to move on, it's wolf time. Right. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I think that would work. Well, that's what we were saying was think of the the many applications. It's Mm. just going to keep people on their toes. Yeah. Do you have a problem with people lingering in the lobby around the coffee once the service has started? Wolves. That's going to solve that problem. Yeah. Because you close the doors of the sanctuary, the wolves aren't getting in. But if you're out here, you're in the wolf's territory. That's right. Yes. So we had some things like that. Um, Do people, uh, maybe you have a second service, or maybe you as the pastor are trying to get to lunch, and people just lingering. Just fellowshipping. Yeah. It's wolf time. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> um, we did, however, think of one drawback. Right. As any, no, no system is perfect. And we thought maybe the bridge, we, we could certainly use this with the pastors. We could certainly use this to square people out. And we, we've had, uh, over the summer months, as you might expect, a, a big influence of the number of children attending the bridge. And we thought, well, we could set the wolf up there. Sure. And maybe they would either behave better. Yeah. Or just flee. Right. Sure. And that's fine. And Jed pointed out a potential snag in that plan. Jed, what was that? Well, of course, uh, to my complete lack of any knowledge or anything biological, I think wolves communicate via howling. Sure. Um, uh, Young children similarly seem to my novice ears to communicate via howling. The ones at the bridge do. Um, I mean, when I'm around little children, there's a lot of howling going on. These children (laughs) howl a lot. So my question is, what happens if the wolves and the kids howl to each other and they start speaking the same howl language? Just just an Mm. uprising? Yeah, what if they form an alliance against us? Exactly right. The the (laughs) child-wolf alliance. We had a vision of 12 to 15 small children, ages age about 4 to 10, just riding wolves down a staircase. Yeah. And that would that would be yeah. a problem for us. Yeah. Yeah, that could happen. Because we're almost overrun as it is. Yeah. yeah. We That's not the kind of thing you want to, you know, because that could, like, disrupt a meeting. Totally. Absolutely. We're trying to we're trying to have a meeting here. You do a little preaching, playing a little bit of music. We don't need children wolf back. Absolutely. You know, causing havoc. Well, I mean, you know, not to get into the boring details, but all programs have to have insurance. Totally. How are we going to explain this to our insurance agents? Right. You know, we you, know, you got your basic liability, your basic coverage, but also there could be children on Wolfback. So right. that's a possibility, too. Yeah. Wow. How are we going to pay for that policy, people? Right. Sure. There, there's, there's special insurance for a children's program. Right. It's just different ways that's covered. There's insurance for... We have uh, animals are allowed. That's why some places you'll see like no animals allowed except for service animals because you actually have to get a different policy. There's going to be animals involved. But I don't think there's a spot in that form for children riding wolves aggressively into combat. Here's the thing, though, is if you guys pull this off, I mean, if there is an actual child wolf uprising and you have uh, kids successfully riding wolves into the service... And people wind up digging it. You know, all the megachurches are going to be trying to train kids Ooh. to ride wolves. Yeah, so yeah. it might be a thing you can patent and then sell to the megachurch. Mm. Oh, WolfCon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Well, that's. I think people will be into that. We're going to teach you how to maximize your wolf's ministry impact. Well, yeah. This this brings us to a friend of ours who. Please don't Google this because I actually know this guy. He's a wonderful <laughs> person, but. He had a terrible idea to bring in to his mega church live zoo animals Ooh. and have them in cages on in the pulpit because he's making like an animal analogy. No, yeah. and you can't just you can't just picture an animal in your mind. I certainly no. can't. You have to have a live. I'm animal. drawing a blank. What are animals, Glenn? Yeah, <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, very confusing. You just you can't just picture here's here's an animal. Nope. Know? So so as much as this insane rambling about wolves in church sounds, it's actually been done. Yeah, yeah we we are still o for some three hundred and forty something episodes on coming up with a sar- sarcastically coming up with a crazier idea than Christians have actually tried. Yeah, and to that point. I want to explore the, the zoo animal thing for a minute because clearly it's insane from every conceivable angle. Right. It only seemed like a good idea to this guy. Yeah. Because the people in the audience are what on earth? Yeah. 
you you just say the lion will lay down with the lamb. I I know mm. what that means. You don't have to physically show me these animals. <laughs> right. <laughs> Here's a person I would pay real money to to hear the interview with, the zoo representative who took that call. Yeah. Yes. Because I'm sure you get you know it's a birthday party. It's a it's a school fair, and we you know, we're going to do a thing, and it's educational. But you get a call from first local megachurch. Yeah. Pastor wants so and so. You think like, okay, so it's like outside. It's like you're doing a a church carnival kind of thing. No, we want them inside on stage. Do they react badly to laser beams? Right. <laughs> Strobe lights. Pastor's yeah. got an idea. Right. Well, the thing that you hope is not true, but the thing that you definitely are picturing, is that you know you call up the zoo and the guy answers the phone, hears this insane idea and says. You know, picks a number he knows you wouldn't pay. Sure. Look, it'd take a million dollars before I'd do something okay. that crazy. Sold. <laughs> That's what you hope didn't happen. Yeah. Like, really, you're hoping a lot, a lot. Yeah. Well, and this brings us to a story I may have told on the, on the show before, but I just love it so. It was counted secondhand to me, but a friend side there. This is this is just as insane, but it doesn't seem as much because it is a thing. The idea of a live nativity. Yeah, yeah. And do a thing, and this there's one in a, a very large church around from where I'm from that involved uh, camels. Okay. And uh, literally mid sermon, so we got them on. They're kind of coming off. They're still in vision. This camel just, as one might say, did his business. Yeah. Uh, directly <laughs> in the eye line, like faced the audience. Right. And then did that mid-sermon. Right. And, Pastor, you're not going to back after that. No, no, no. You, yeah. Well, this is the thing. I'm not sure I can say this with definitive clarity, but uh, if you could find, like, a, a Bedouin okay. and explain to him, we took this camel inside an indoor area. Yeah. He, he might be baffled by why you would do that. that. Yeah. And now I want you to imagine... That you're in the the elder meeting, the writing team meeting, yeah, yeah they have those. Um, whereas somebody brought up, you know what we could do? You mean a sermon writing yes. team meeting? Yes. Uh, and maybe the pastor's there or not? Who's to say? But and then somebody brought up the idea of we could get alive animals, and you hear just from kind of off to the side in the cage, just growling, right? <laughs> and somebody gets up and just puts their finger on the latch and said, "What was that, Jeff?" Yeah, he says. Maybe we could uh maybe we could talk about people's problems. That's what I thought. Yeah. I'm gonna sit back down. Yeah. Wolf Church. <laughs> oh yeah. Wolf Church. I think we fixed it. And on yep. that very, I'm sure, lucrative and paradigmatically shifting <laughs> reality, I'm gonna declare emergency off. Ooh. Ooh. We're gonna jump to our first question here. If you have this all the way to the end, I use some ways to get in touch with this. First question comes in anonymously and it says, Whether it's my time, my energy, or my money, I turn around and it's all gone. How do I know I'm using? How do I know? Are we? Did you want to do a bridge box plug? Yes. <laughs> I was wondering that same thing. I was uh, so focused on getting out of the emergency in a timely manner. Wolf <laughs> box. Now we're going to need to expand because as of now, mm. I don't think there's a way to send a wolf through email. Right. Not yet. I'm sure a number of companies are working on it. Yeah. And someday you'll be able to 3D print your own ministry wolf. <laughs> sure. And we'll all be thankful for that. Yeah, that's just that's just an obvious uh, development. But for now, we're going to need a certain amount of shipping involved in that. Mm-hmm. And now that's going to involve a, a certain amount of expansion off what Bridgebox does right now. Oh, yes. Bridgebox right now, we just send you the files into your email. It's very simple. You get songs, sermons, Bible studies, all that good stuff. We are still in the month of October, where our topic is Jed. In the... I thought you were looking at me, so you wanted me to throw to wow. it. This is all going completely terribly. <laughs> this is the last one we're doing. We're moving in. Wait, I'm writing the Bible study now. What's November's? And oh, it's, it's point. so gone off the rails. I'm gonna find I'm gonna I'm I'm looking at the email. What was right. what was November's? Yeah. We did it. I, I we preached good. a sermon on this two weeks ago. Wow. Just he's got I allergies. Mean. I don't even know what my excuse is. Aha! 
Oh, we're going to talk about it. It's our first question. It should be an easy transition to make. <laughs> I can't decide if I'm going to cut this or not. <laughs> the people need to see how a certain amount of the sausage is made. In the Pay month no attention of no- to the map behind the curtain. <laughs> In the month of November, our topic is going to be about balance. Oh. There Balanced you go. people to give advice on how to have a balanced life yeah. and not lose your sanity or be so out of energy that none of you can remember the thing you're all in the process of still currently making. Yeah. Hey, let's make that our first question. Yeah, that sounds great. Oh, that's a great idea. Let's go to that first question. <laughs> you can sign up at missionusa.com slash bridgebox. First question comes in, and it says, whether it's my time, my energy, or my money, I turn around and it's all gone. How do I know I'm using it the right way and not leaving important things out, especially if there's not enough to go around? And Lee, why don't you start us off here? I'd love to. Uh, well, this is actually something that I, I talked to my, you know, that Christy and I talked to our kids a lot about. But it, it, for me, the idea revolves around setting good expectations that that I have. Uh, I've got certain goals of things that I want to accomplish that make sense, reasonable goals. I'm not trying to do everything in the world. And when I when I can see my life that way, I, I figure out. Um, that that every single day has a certain amount of have tos and hopefully a certain amount of uh, of get tos and want tos. Um, so this is the way that we talk to the kids: is look in your day, you're gonna have to you're gonna have some things that you have to do, and if you can go ahead and get your mind and your attitude around that, then you can go ahead and get that stuff taken care of. You can get it taken care of well, and then you can move on to the things that you want to do and the things that you hope to do. Um, This is really, really important for a balanced life. You can't just do, you know, uh, the deliverables that have to be done, do as much as I can and work, you know, work myself, you know, fingers to the bone and that kind of stuff, because this is something we talked about in a previous episode. That's not a sustainable way for somebody to live. You've got to have a way to fill yourself up. You've got to have a way to, uh, you've got to have things that you enjoy, hobbies, um, things that Things that are just um, that that you know things in your life that don't take a lot of thinking. Things that are totally different from the work that you do, and when you can kind of populate your life with, I, I've got my have tos, the things that I've got to deliver on, and then I've got some things that I hope to get to, and some things that I just want to do. Um, that's when you have kind of a balanced life. But that whole thing comes from starting with a reasonable goal. So the things that I have to do, I have a reasonable amount of stuff. I'm not trying to conquer the whole world, and I'm not, you know, being lazy or apathetic or anything like that. I've got a certain amount of stuff that's reasonable for the person, for the type of person that I am, and my vocation, or in my or in my schooling, or whatever it is. I'm going to deliver on that stuff, and then I'm going to find the stuff that that is fulfilling for me. The stuff that the kind of fellowship, or the kind of hobby, or the kind of trip or the kind of whatever that fills my tank up. And that that's the kind of thing that we want to look at. We talk about this a lot with just the idea of balance. But you'd be surprised to know how many people don't have a good idea of or, or don't have um an intentional uh, an intentional time set aside for just for relaxation or just for hobbies. But that kind of stuff actually makes us better at the things that we have to do. Um, if I've got some stuff that I want to do, some things that I hope to do, that's going to make me better at the stuff that I have to do. But I've got to start with reasonable goals. That's the number one thing is I've got to have, I've got to set good expectations for myself, start with some reasonable goals. Then I can get my attitude around the things that I have to do and make some time for the things that I want to do and hope to do. That's all really, really good stuff. And Jed, love to go to you here. Um, cause I, we've all been spending some time thinking about this cause it's the bridge box. Topic. Right. Yeah. As we all know. Um, but I think uh, Lee makes a very, very important uh, point there about setting uh, goals, setting yeah. the right goals, setting achievable goals. But how do we know what the right goals are, I think, is a big part of this question. So how do we go about answering that? That's a great question. Well, I think the thing that we want to both ask ourselves, the thing that we want to pray and seek wisdom from the Lord about, the thing that we ideally get some good insight from um, Christian mentors and pastors is... 
what do we want to see accomplished? Where do we want to see our life go? I mean, it's almost a cliched thing to think about a five-year plan, but it's actually a really good idea is to say, what do I want my life to look like five years from now? And in all kinds of areas, what do I want my career to look like, my education, my relationships, my um, my hobbies and pursuits, you know, my physicality, what do I want all that to look like? And and what's really important to me? What are things on that list where it's like, that would be nice, and other things are just like, no, that is really super important. And then work backwards. What's the path from where I am today to where I want to be? It turns out, a funny thing about being in the kind of work that we are is your eyes, miraculous transformations are possible in people's lives in the span of five years. I mean, really, really amazing stuff if they're working a plan that will get them there. You know, if we're working a plan and a path that, that can actually do that. If we have a sense of where we're trying to go, what we're trying to accomplish, the kind of life we're trying to build, and we can work backwards on what the steps are that get us there, then that means we can begin exactly like Lee is saying, setting goals. That means we can begin setting uh, some goals, as my wife would put it, some gates, um, some um, points of demarcation so that we know how we're doing along the way. If you've got a good plan and you've set good goals and you're you and hopefully others are holding yourselves accountable as you take those steps to pursue those goals. Man, the sky's the limit. There, it's it's really an amazing thing just how much growth and change a person is capable of. But we do want to invite the Lord into that journey, into that process, not just of taking the steps, but figuring out what those big picture goals are to begin with. I think so often we box ourselves in on what we would allow ourselves to consider possible. I think I think the Lord often has, maybe not in, in the eyes of the world, but bigger plans and bigger ideas in store for us than we would really allow ourselves yeah. to consider. And I think it's really important, and this is something where our prayer life is critical, but also input from other Christians can be very helpful, to have people help us have some blue sky thinking and some daydreaming and some thinking outside the box and and taking some of the limits off. I mean, Scripture talks about the idea that that no eye has seen and no ear has heard, no mind has conceived, the kind of things that God has in store for His people. And that applies to you, too. So creating a space where you can really let your imagination run and invite the Lord to be a part of that process and guiding Him of the kind of life that, that you'd like to live— now, at the same time, let's look at almost the polar opposite thing, which is being realistic about what you have before you today. When I hear people talk about being bad with resources, I think a lot of times there's a false guilt there because what they really are saying is, I have very little resources. I have very little money. I have very little time. I have very little energy. I want to see those make a huge impact when that's not exactly realistic. If you've got $20 to spend... You can stretch it a certain amount, but the, there are limits to this. You can't stretch it infinitely. Don't beat up on yourself because you have $20 to spend. Let's figure out how to do a good job with that $20, and then we'll figure out the rest from, from there. We want to remove that sense of guilt and that sense of shame, which is really common among Christians, particularly about resources. There's a lot of Christians guilting themselves and others about you should magically be able to do more with what you've got than you already have. We want to remove that. We want to get into a mode where we're thinking big picture and inviting the Lord to guide us in that process of ideation. Amen. That's all really, really sharp stuff. And Glenn, I think exactly what Jed gave us there ties back into what uh, Lee was talking about, about the idea of uh, have-tos versus uh, want-tos and get-tos. Because I think when people think about um, using their resources effectively, having having balance, that's almost certainly um, a lessening. There's that idea mm. of if I really put my foot in it and did it, I could do all this stuff, mm. but it'll also eventually burn out. So I need to scale back and kind of call that balance. That's really not what we're talking about. Balance helps you do more, right? Right. Absolutely right. I, I think... Uh, I think there's a lot that drains us, and that's part of what we want to talk about here. So he, here's the first thing that that wears me out. Okay, uh, and I mentioned this in the in uh, Bridgebox uh, sermon I preached on the subject. Uh, but for me, I don't I don't know how the devil comes at you, but here's the number one thing he comes at me with is you better hurry up. Yeah, gotta um, be now. You now, got now, now. you need to look at. Like the time is ticking away, and you are not doing it 
So you need to do it and the success isn't where it needs to be and the accomplishments aren't where they need to be and the kudos and the whatever and money and whatever else. You need to hurry up. And uh, man, does that deplete me. It makes me feel terrible all the time. Uh, the And this is not God's voice. God doesn't come to me and say, hurry up. You know, the Lord may come to me and say, uh, let's do this and let's do this now. And he, he may come to me and say, here's what we need to do today. Follow me. We're, here's where I'm going to lead you. Um, but so we get into this haste thing. Then we have the the other end of that spectrum uh, in dread. So dread is something where there's a, a, a sort of an element of uh, fear or, or you know of uh, you know disliking something, but it's coupled with uh, an avoidance element to it. So if I say, hey, here's what we say to ourselves: uh, I, I I really need to make that appointment with a dentist. I need to put off. I, I need to stop putting off going and and doing this thing that I don't want to do. That's dread. You dread having to do that thing. So we get that dread, and that makes us push put things off. And then on the other end, we get this haste that we have to hurry up and do something. Between the dread and the haste, all of that works us into inaction. We are, that makes us less productive, as Matt was pointing out. And that's where the devil wants us. Uh, the Lord says, be still and know that I'm God. The Lord says, uh, you know, I have things for you to do today. But here's the thing you, you have to get your mind around. If there are not, a, if, if, if there, you look at your list of things you need to do today, and there's not enough hours in the day to do all of those things, then the th- one thing we can say for sure is you're doing more than what God is calling you to do. Amen. You know, God God doesn't call you to do more things than you physically have time to do. So you're you're putting other stuff in there. So this pure logic says you are adding something in that God does not intend for that to be added in. We need to figure out what those things are and get rid of them. And we need to get rid of anything that drains us of our energy, of our passion, of our you know enthusiasm for life. Uh, any kind of dread, any kind of haste, any kind of anything where the devil's kind of pressuring us to to shed that and say, okay, the Lord's given me enough to do today, and I need to accomplish those things, but I don't need to add other stuff in there and pretend like that's extra holiness. That's the kind of stuff the devil's putting into our thought process. Yeah, it's all really, really good stuff. And in that, uh, on that night where Glenn and I both preached our Bridgewater sermons about this, which was only five days ago, but you know. <laughs> things shoot out of the mind pretty quick. Yeah. Um, one of the other ang- angles we were talking about as we were sitting down and getting those sermons together and getting our, our night at the bridge together was the idea of um, other people putting stuff on you. That part of the idea of you say whether you know there's time and energy and money and it all seems that it's all gone before I've done what I, I want to get done with it. Part of that reason may be because other people are inserting themselves into that situation and uh, informing you what you should be doing with this, That whether that's... Um, relatives or friends or uh church churches or whatever someone's telling you this is this is the the real deal this is the important thing here and you have to bounce that stuff off god because there's never going to be a lack of people with their hand out there's never a lack of people uh, injecting themselves into what they think you should be doing and not not to vilify all that i mean there's there's uh, more good opportunities out there than you can engage in with the time and energy you have it's not a about good things necessarily. It's about, as we're talking about, your specific call, what God's actually asking you to do. And if someone's going to speak into that, it needs to be someone who has built up the trust in your life for you to know that that's what they're looking to help you find, is the thing that God wants you to do that is going gonna, is gonna, to uh, do the right things for you, as opposed to someone just saying, you know what you should probably do is my thing, and you should probably do it more. That's the other uh, aspect of this I think does need to be mentioned is there's a people pleasing aspect. Some of this of once I get all these people taken care of, they'll leave me alone and I can finally get down to my thing. And that's just, that's not the way people who are users work. Right. There, there's not a, an end to that. So some of this will involve, so we talked about a previous episode about setting some boundaries and communicating with the Lord on what those need to be. But that is definitely something you are capable of doing. All right. We're going to take you, to our Say That interview this week, we, I got a chance to sit down and talk with Jason Roy. He's the lead singer 
of the band building 429 their new album is called live the journey is available now we'll take to that interview right now Well, for uh, for our audience, who probably most of them have heard of Building Four Twenty Nine, but if anybody hasn't, how would you give the uh, the the quick description of of the sound and what y'all are doing and where yeah. y'all going? Yeah, well, I'd say number one, we're probably in Christian music. We're the band that everybody knows, but they don't know that they know. Um, we kind of have had songs through the years that have constantly been, you know, we've always shown up at radio and. And um, and we've always had a pretty large impact, and yet we chose the name Building 429. It's hard to remember. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so it's a bit of a challenge. Mercy Me is a little, a little easier to remember than Building 429. Um, but I, I would say Building 429 would be the, the band that when you hear us uh, on the radio or you hear our music, we're a little bit more on the edge in terms of the sound sonically. Mm. Uh, we kind of grew up as a rock and roll band, and so... We've always had to fight the inclination or the, the urge to be a true rock band. And so we've kind of figured out this weird place where we can still kind of sort of play rock and roll and, and uh, still be a little bit edgy and yet at the same time still connect with uh, the larger Christian music fan base. And, um, and it's really cool, man. I'm thankful for the career that we've had. We've been a band since 1999, so we're almost 20 years this year. And, and, and God has been good and faithful and and we're just thankful as we could possibly be to continue to make records. We just finished making our ninth record, which is called Live the Journey, which in a lot of ways is kind of a retrospect, kind of a, a retrospective record that kind of looks back over our career at all the things that we wish we would have said when we were younger or that we wish we would have known when we were younger. So re- really a cool time in our career when we're able to kind of look at ourselves and see us for who we are, uh, to know who we are and, uh, and to grow from that. Absolutely. Well, I've, I think, as you say, you guys have had some some real success, and a lot of that has been, if people only know a couple of songs, it's probably maybe the big worship anthems, the Where I Belong, the We Won't Be Shaken, and this record sonically seems to have a little bit of a different feel, so what was the idea behind it, and was there any trepidation of kind of, we're going we're gonna to take things a little different and take a little different angle on things for this project? Yeah, you know, I think this record was different in a lot of ways, but it really starts, I think, every record, you, there's an emotion that you carry with you that kind of is the pace setter, I guess, and the pacemaker. Um, you know, in, pa- in past records, we've, we kind of walked in on adrenaline, and you could hear that show up on the record, you know what I mean? And um, and on this record, I think we walked in a little bit more um, introspective, a little bit, maybe a little bit weary from the road, mm. but also... Um, uh, just you know, this season of life for us has brought quite a few challenges, and I think maybe not to say that we've had it just great, but life hasn't been extremely, extremely hard until probably the last uh, three, four years, and and then all of a sudden, when life gets hard, you have to kind of face up with your own work and your own words and the things that you said. And you have to figure out if they still apply, and um, and I think for us in this last season, we just really wanted to be vulnerable and be real and be honest, and and when you say hey, we want to be vulnerable, real, and honest, then the record itself, the actual audio sound of the record becomes a little bit more vulnerable, uh, a little bit more real, a little bit more honest. And so um, that's really what showed up as we were making this record. Well, and I think that that totally comes through, and it carries over to a little bit in the, what you guys did around the record, too, in the run-up to it. Uh, and these are still up on your website. People can check them out. You've written some, some devotionals to go with the songs, some... Uh, some some email blasts that are going with stuff, and was that kind of uh, born of there's a lot to chew on here and you wanted to have some other avenues just to connect with the fans on that? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's an interesting day and age when, when, you know, you can make a project and release it to the world and people may not hear it until a year and a half or two years later. Mm-hmm. Um that, that's a wild thing to me because I, I kind of, we've grown up in the era where first week you release a record, everybody's excited about it, and and then, you know, and you go out and do a first week tour and you hit critical mass immediately. And so for us, what we really wanted to do is we wanted to make sure that this record had uh, legs so it could run a long time, you know. Um, and, and one of the ways that we went about doing that was to out, out, almost, out, you know, out, say it out loud. This record is different. It has a lot more depth in it. And for me, writing devotions is a part of kind of my pastoral heart. And But then to go beyond just like, okay, this is the scripture that I was reading when I thought of this song, and here's something for you to think about. No, it's actually dig in and actually put 
you know, thousand, two thousand words on paper, and uh, and in a lot of ways, almost write a um, like a small, small, small portion of a book, uh, outlining the ideas behind the songs. And so that's what we did, and and I really am thankful for it again because you know every day there's a new email that comes in. I got one just yesterday that that really impacted me. It just kind of blew my mind. This guy sending an email just telling me how much the record meant and how he just kind of ran into it and uh and how he was so thankful for the depth of it and that's you know normally what we get is man this song rocks or oh my gosh that, that's my jam but yeah. when the e- you know emails come in that are two pages long telling you why it matters it's pretty cool yeah that's the other is when we, it's the very much the same thing when we do the podcast it's it's it is a weird thing to put something out in the world and kind of for a little while hear radio silence, but then to right. as you're just as you're saying when the people it hits it hits so much harder than just oh I heard that on the radio when when they were doing the big you know first week push it's an interesting thing to see how the depth is there even as the breadth may not be what it once was but you talk about you're talking about and I think it's an amazing point of you know both you had that pastoral heart to, to the impact these songs have on people, but they were also something you were working through at the time. Yeah. And, you yeah, know, whether it is sure. any art somebody makes, that could be, that could be a song that could be, you know, a sermon they're preaching. It could be just a, a nice post somebody puts up online trying to encourage people. There is that kind of push pull between, I want to say exactly what I want to say, but I want people to, to catch up with it. So what's been your experience kind of putting the more vulnerable thing out there and, and also having people respond to it? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I've always struggled with in my career and it may be to my detriment is I'm, I'm not really good at being the social media guy who looks up online, powerful quotes, and then every day posts a powerful quote that I didn't write. Sure. And, you know, and, and, you know, 50 billion people like it because it's Theodore Roosevelt's man in the arena, you know, like, that's not ever been my way. It probably would be easier if I did that, but I just really feel like my responsibility is to tell from my perspective to the best of my ability kind of who God is and what, what he looks like and what that struggle has looked like for me. And, and so um, to kind of circle back around, I think um, it's been very fulfilling and yet at the same time very challenging, you know, like to, to, not, to, to, to not kind of uh, take the easy route and to make sure that, that that I really did actually pour my heart and soul into every part of this record. And then to make sure that there's content enough that when a person finds these songs and they go, man, I'd like to know more about that. There's four or five different avenues for them to know more about what we're talking about. And then to kind of put it out in the world. And like you said, not know, you know, sometimes if it's going, if people are ever going to see it or not, it's like a great risk and it takes a lot of faith to do that kind of thing. But I think I'm better for it. And, and so far, like I said, the emails that I'm getting, like, like I'm reading this right now. It says, please share my comments to the band. At this point in my life, this album is a game changer for me and my family today, tomorrow, and it's, and in eternity. Like, what? Okay, yeah. there it is. That's, that, that's what I was, that's what I'm kind of, that's what I've been hoping for. You know what I mean? So, pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. And, well, and you, like you said, you guys have been doing this for a long time. You've had that life experience it's it's I use it one of those things of if you went back to nineteen ninety nine, Jason and told him, you know, you're gonna have you're gonna have the hits, you're gonna be on the tours, but it's gonna be this email from this guy that really blows your mind. I always wonder how, how would uh how would beginning of career people even know how to process that? Yeah, because in the beginning of your career you just signed a record deal and you think your greatest dreams are coming true and you're on tour with the biggest bands that there are and you know, at that point just getting on a tour bus and going, I'm going to ride this for the next two nights, right? Yeah. It's like the greatest thrill of your life. You're like, oh my gosh, a tour bus. And, you know, and and here I am now, you know, whatever, you know, 15 years later, and that's just my second house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, so, yeah, it, it, it would be, I don't think that that kid could comprehend. But what I would say is I, I would definitely say be more open than you think you need to be. Like, be more real. And and don't guard your heart the way that you that you feel inclined to guard your heart and and, and I, that those are the things that I would tell myself when I was younger. I think it's great advice in the time traveling sense, and also great advice for our folks listening in whatever avenue that takes for them, and they can check out live the journey 
by Building 429, available wherever you get fine music right now. Jason Roy, thanks so much, brother. Hey, Matt, thank you so much, Matt. I appreciate you, Okay, that was our interview with Jason Roy of Building 429. We appreciate him sending down this. Again, Live the Journey is available wherever you download or stream music. Or if you can find a music store, they might have it. Whoa. They might have also monkey paws and magical amulets, because I imagine they have to (laughs) also get into some antiques and knickknacks, but they might have the CD, or you can get it on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get music. We're going to get our final question here. It comes in anonymously, and it says, I was reading Romans 14, 1 to 13, and it talks about passing judgment on the servant of another and what we ought, and that we ought to welcome those weak in faith, including the non-believers. What does this welcome entail on our part and God's part? And Glenn, I'd love to get you to start us off. These are some uh, some things we talked about recently with uh, yeah. uh, both Barry, with, uh, with uh, the people who are weak in faith and we talk fair amount about not passing judgment on other people's servants. So what do those have to do with kind of the, the life we're trying to live here? Well, the context of that uh, bit of, of Romans that we're, we're referencing, uh, you know, uh, bearing with those who are, have a, a weak faith and bearing with the people who have that weakness, it's referring to people who uh, were, had decided it's a sin to eat meat that had been sacrificed to an idol. You get you get a temple, you people come in and sacrifice to that idol, and then somebody takes that animal and then sells it for meat later on. And you can see how it would have sort of a weird connotation to it, uh, but it's just meat, you know, and that God has made up things, so it doesn't matter one way or another. Uh, but some people decide, no, that's super, that's a sin, can't do it, it's a sin. Uh, this is what we call legalism. Right. You know, uh, okay. So when uh, Paul says we need to accept the person whose faith is weak, he's talking about legalistic people. He's talking about people who are trying to be so holy that they make up extra stuff that's not even written in the book. That's weakness, is what he's saying. This is not a strong Christian. A strong right. Christian goes to God and says, what is the right path, and what what really matters? And, and do you care if I eat this meat or some other meat or whatever, you know? And, you know, maybe I ought to be considerate about eating that in front of somebody where that would con- give a conviction to them uh, or weird them out in some sort of way, just be kind of rubbing their nose in it. Uh, but, you know, apart from that, do I need to be concerned about that for my own self? Is, that, is this something you want me to do or not do? A legalistic person leaves God all the way out of it and decides on their own, I'm going to be extra spiritual just in case, and you have to do it too. That's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> the, the Bible calls that weakness. That is a weak person. This is not a developed Christian life where the person is listening to the Lord. They're going off their own made-up stuff of what's hyper-spiritual. Um, so what's the right way then to be welcoming of that and dealing with that? Well, um, it, it's tough for me because, you know, uh, like many of you, I've had mistreatment from people who have been legalistic, because that's and that's what they're doing to Jesus all the time. They're coming to him and saying, you know, hey, hey uh, we made up a rule that you have to wash your hands before you eat, and then your, your people don't do it, so I guess you're from Satan. You know this kind of a deal. So it's it, you're 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 making up some sort of a legalism, and and now I'm supposed to be bearing with you in that. Well, here's how we're supposed to look at all of this stuff, and this would include, as the as the question implies, even people who are non-believers. Here's the way we want to look at this: is um, the Bible says we, in terms of our ability to understand spiritual truths, the Bible says that right now it's like we see a dim reflection as if in a mirror. You know, you picture an old bronze mirror back in biblical times where they you know, had to hammer it out, and it's kind of lumpy, and it's not a really good mirror. Uh, but you 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 see, uh, uh, the only thing that you see are the, just these uh, cloudy uh, reflections of what's really true, and that when we die we'll see things for the way they are. Well, it's... To me, this introduces the idea of some people have a 
really dim reflection and some have a slightly less dim reflection that they're seeing of what's really true. Think of it this way in more practical terms. Let's say um, there's a famous historical event and there's a handful of people that were there and saw it and then there were other people that saw that second hand and then third hand and what have you. And you went out and asked all these different people, some who saw it firsthand, some who just heard about it second or third hand, you ask them to describe what's going on. Here's what you would get is some of this would be fairly accurate. Some would be not super accurate. Some of these accounts would have extra stuff added in. Uh, Some stuff would have key pieces missing and so on and so forth. So everybody would have a different uh, level of accuracy and and fidelity on what's going on, but they'd all be clueless in certain certain ways. So we need to think of all other people in the world in this way: that there are there are people who aren't believers that do have sort of a sense of something from the Lord that they can't quite. It's a very dim reflection. They can barely make out the shape of it, but they sort of have a sense of that. And there, there are people who are, have been walking with the Lord who see things much more clearly, and they're, they're, they're getting a, day by day closer to Him and getting a sharper focus on things. So if we see all that variation, it, it gets us in the mindset of seeing everybody's on a journey. Some are at the beginning, some are further along. Amen. But it doesn't mean that any one of those groups has a monopoly on all the truth. That's a really, really great uh, summation of that I, part of this thing. And Lee, I'd love to get you to uh, focus on the uh, not judging another man's servant idea here and what that has to do with us today. Yeah, when I when I read this question, the the first thing that came into my mind is one of the constant fights that happens in my house between my kids, which is when one of my kids starts parenting one of the other kids. Uh-huh. And immediately that kid that's being parented by one of their siblings loses their complete and total mind even though they did it to the other one yesterday. And, you know, and Christy and I are always shutting this down uh, in defense of this other child who's being parented. And we always say, hold on, hold on, you stop. I'm their parent. I will tell her what to do. You don't have to do that in any way, in any way. So you let me handle that. I will handle that in all circumstances, in all matters. And you will not handle that in any matters because you don't have the authority to do that. And when I read this question, and, and 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 even reading Romans chapter 14, there's a really cool verse in there where it says, it says that that a servant is going to be able to stand or fall in front of his own master, and his master is able to make him stand. Um, the, the idea being, the Lord is the one who is over all of us, and he is going to get people where they're going. I love the way that Glenn described folks being on a journey and that everybody's in a different stage in that journey, the Lord is able to zoom out and see where everybody is, where everybody's going and work in them and bring stuff into their life, take stuff out of their life to get them where they need to be by the end of their journey. And we get kind of... uh we get kind of, you know, stressed out about that. We want to make sure this person gets this part figured out now. We want to make sure they get this other part figured out later, whatever it is. But the Lord is the one that's working all that out. I see this kind of thing happen a lot with, especially when when young people come to know the Lord, and sometimes their parents come to me and they tell me, you need to, you need to make sure that my kid gets this part of the Christianity worked out immediately. And I always tell them, you know, when somebody's on their spiritual journey, it it can be like a uh, it can be like a young person who's kind of you know like w- when they're kind of going through their adolescence and like they their feet grow really fast before they kind of grow tall enough to you know grow into those feet sometimes the feet happen first there's a struggling little kind of mustache and stuff like that and then later on the whole thing is worked out and this is a fully grown person and this can be that way with somebody's spiritual journey. The Lord is able to work all that out. What he doesn't want us doing is squabbling about the little stuff. Um, over and over again in Paul's letters, he says, uh, I want you to avoid uh, you know, fights over words. 
And man, it is so it is so frustrating to see like, you know, different denominations and different groups get in squabbles about, you know, uh, you know, little theological points that nobody can ever prove or nobody can make sense out of. And nobody, by the way, that you've ever reached out to cares at all about any of those things. And this is the deal is that Jesus said, don't judge anybody ever. And so that's the way we want to walk through this is exactly as Glenn said, they're on their journey. I'm on my journey. The Lord is the father of all of us. He is going to be the one to parent us all and get us where we need to go when we need to get there. That's a really great way to break that down. And Jed, let's get you close out here, but I think one of the things that where these two concepts overlap yeah. is this idea of what is my role? Yeah. Um, we are, as we talked about in other shows, talked about the last episode, there are definitely times we're called to, to help people out, to lead them along, to show them something they don't know. But there's a way we're supposed to do that, and there's a way we're not supposed to do that. So what do both these ideas have to do with telling us that? That's a great question. Well, there, your question leads to another question, which is, are you this person's pastor? That's a really super yeah. critical thing to know. Kind of like Lee's pointing out with his kids, are you this child's parent? That's right. Because if you're not, you have a very different role here. If you are in a pastoral role to somebody, and they have um, the weak faith of legalism, uh, they're almost certainly will be a point, just the two of you, where it's time for you to come along and put a hand on their shoulder and say, you have got to let this go. You're, you're killing us all with this. If you're not that person's pastor, though, that's not your job. That's not a thing that you have to sort out. But let's, let's look at a real-life example for a second. So there is a great creeping evil in the world today. Uh, it is a tool of Satan, and um, it is threatening to destroy all of our children. And that thing is Harry Potter, because it is satanic. <laughs> Oh, really? I, I thought it was just a delightful set of children's books. And that's exactly what the devil would like you to think, Glenn. <laughs> it, okay. It's about friendship and overcoming evil by standing up for what's right. Friendship with Satan. <laughs> is, is Satan actually mentioned in those No, books? You're, you're thinking of the unofficial fanfic, Harry Potter and being friends with Satan. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not, like, she didn't write that one. Yeah. That was well delivered, Thank sir. You. Yeah. All right. So a thing that happens, unfortunately, pretty often is, you know, you're in a church and and Mildred starts attending and just has a thing about Harry Potter is satanic. Right. This this is a thing that, that happens pretty often. Now, if you're her pastor, we'll look at that in a second. You you do have a responsibility there. If you're not her pastor, you're you're just another person at this church. First thing is it's not your job to sort Mildred out on whether or not Harry Potter is satanic. Right. That's, that's not your role. You don't, you don't have to do that. Suppose, however, that you are planning your vacation to Universal Orlando to visit the wizarding world of Harry Potter. We have friends that work on it. It's pretty awesome. Okay. Um, what do you do then? How do you follow the sense of, I don't want to mess up this person who has this weak legalistic faith, but at the same time, I already have this vacation booked. Am I supposed to cancel my vacation because of Mildred and her thing about Harry Potter? All right. Well, it seems like it would get very complicated very quickly. It's not. Here's what we do. We have parts of our lives that we don't share with literally every person that we know. Preach. I think Christians struggle with this a lot. The idea of it is good and right for me to have things in my life that I simply don't mention to certain people. Yeah. And, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with them, with the thing. It doesn't mean I'm hiding something. That's just how life works. Yeah. Lord of the Rings is a great series of movies. You shouldn't show them to your three-year-old nephew because it will freak him out. Right. Uh, he, he just can't handle it. It's not that he's a deficient three-year-old. It's not that there's something wrong with the movies. That's, that's just how it is. There's stuff that people can handle and stuff that they can't. If you're going to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, uh, Universal Orlando, A, congratulations, that's going to be amazing. But yeah. B, you don't need to mention this to Mildred. If, if she asks, you can say, we're taking a nice vacation to Florida. That's great. That's yeah. fine. It's, it's, I mean, if she presses the point, that's a different matter. But this is about how do we peacefully coexist with people who, who struggle with that weak faith of legalism. So if you're, if you're not her pastor, that's how you do it. You don't needlessly poke this person's obsession with this, while at the same time living your own life. Now, if you are their pastor, there's a lot of variables. There's there's a lot of ins, there's a lot of outs, there's a lot of what have yous. 
And a lot of that would involve, in this case, sitting down with Mildred and really having an exploratory conversation. Let, I'm going to grant your premise. Harry Potter's totally satanic. Now what? Why are, why are we so concerned about Satanism as opposed to greed or pride or lust? There, there's a lot of sins to, to be concerned about here. Why are, we, why are we so focused on this one? What we'll find is whenever people have an outsized obsession on anything, there's a reason for it. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a thing, it's usually a thing in their past that they have not made peace with. And so we're trying to help them explore that thing and figure out where is this outsized concern coming from? Because there's, there's a seed of something legitimate in there in the same way as meat sacrifice to idols. I mean, they did sacrifice this meat to an idol, so you can understand my concern. I can, but as Glenn pointed out, it doesn't mean anything. So right. we, we don't have to make a big deal of this. You, you, in similarly with Mildred, you say, well, I mean, it is, you know, the, the occult and, and magic spells and whatnot. So you can see my concern. There's a seed of an idea in there. We've, we've blown it out of all proportion. Let's, let's get into where this is coming from and, and what this concern really, really represents. But again, that's work that's somewhere between pastoring and mentoring and discipleship and counseling. And, that is the role of that person's pastor. Uh, they're, they, it's up to that person's pastor to figure out, of all the issues Mildred has, is the Harry Potter obsession really at the top of that list? It, it may well not be, uh, but at some point we do need to talk about it. But if if you're not Mildred's pastor, you don't need to worry about that. That's about living your life, welcoming her without needlessly poking all of this with a stick. Right. Absolutely right. Uh, literally or metaphorically. Don't poke, don't poke people with a stick. That's not going to help. Anything. Um, there's some the other aspect to this that I think is important as we're as we're talking about here is there's there's a difference between not as exactly as Jed's saying there's a difference between not um, provoking someone, not leaning too hard on them, and not uh, bending to their will. In the same way, uh, Lee's kids don't like when they uh, when they parent each other. Nor do you just get free tantrums because yeah. it's mean for parenting. It's it's, it's one of those. I, I have a younger brother and growing up, we got a lot of talks of you're both wrong. Yeah. <laughs> For different reasons in different ways, yeah. but make no mistake. You're both wrong here. <laughs> and it's, some of these things fall into that. We do want to bear with people, but that doesn't, as Jed's pointing out, it's important to fold that down with us. We've been talking about boundaries recently. That doesn't mean everybody gets a free for all. That doesn't mean this is something Christians have a hard time with. Think that does not mean you have to assume good faith on everyone's part. It doesn't mean you have to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Um, a lot of times this, you know, bear daring with someone's weakness and uh, not pass Jesuit servant looks like, Nope. Just as we've talked about before, the power of a simple Nope and disengagement. That's that's, and you can acknowledge that, Hey, God is working on you and you're doing your whole thing over here, but I'm also trying to maintain my sanity over here. So it's possible. My role in this whole thing is to not be around it. That is a role that many of us are called to, in other people's lives that maybe uh, goes a little underrepresented in that idea. I would also like to point out that when it came time to plug Universal Studios, Jed didn't have a hard time remembering anything. Wow. Take the hint. They're doing fine, Jed. (laughs) I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would dare to guess that Universal Studios, Harry Potter World, grossed slightly more than Bridgebox did last year. Yeah, Jed. Jed. I'm the worst. It's in the pocket of Big Wizard. <laughs> once again, we have proof. All right. We want to thank Jason Roy of Building 429. Again, Ooh. you can get Live the Journey, wherever you buy music now. A good record and really fun chat. Sit down with him. We're going to take out the song of our own this week. This is from our October edition of Bridgebox, where the topic was, how do I learn to let go of a situation? Mm. In case anyone was wondering. Yes. It features our friend, the very elusive reclusive pool house guru with an assist from our friend Ryan went. The song is called a tiny little start. And we made this for our friend at Chicago tiny house, which is an awesome project. Some friends of ours are doing to address homelessness in the city of Chicago. They're looking to do exactly what it says, take some vacant lots, build tiny houses on them for folks to live in. And while they're getting back on their feet is a great project. We really want to see it uh, come. So if you go to Chicago, tiny you can get a download of this song. So this is Tiny Little Start. The Pull Out Scooter featuring Ryan Wilt. Take out that. Thanks for being here. 
Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, pioneering the science of liturgical wildlife. <laughs> so welcome to